0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to what we are calling the Jags Den Podcast. I am one of your hosts, James Johnson. I'll also routinely be joined by my homeboy and uh, partner in crime, Phil, the Filipino Smith, who couldn't join us today because he had to work. But he'll join us next week and uh, we'll introduce him and whatnot, as you already pretty much know who Phil is and uh, everybody's familiar with him. But he'll be on next week. And basically what we're going to be doing with this podcast is using it as an interface uh, to talk on the latest and Jags news, voice our opinions with the uh, um Jags situation as right now is not A uh, it's it's a frustrating time to be a Jags fan. So we want to use this as a way to voice our opinions on that. Hear other people's opinion, as well as another thing we want to do with this podcast is basically, you know, talk on other subjects aside from the Jaguars losing and their current situation. As you know, when you listen to all the other podcasts out there, they all sound the same because they're all covering the same thing if you will which is not a knock on them but you know um the the fans out there and the listeners and and whatnot they, you know they want to hear uh things other than you know how things are currently going with the Jags and their staff and you know them only having two wins you know it's a lot of other topics uh, we could be talking on so uh, we want to you know put a different perspective uh, on that as well and talk on some different subjects as well to um you know kind of Defer ourselves from the other podcast to kind of separate ourselves, um, from, you know, the ones that you all are currently listening to and, um, that feel, you know, might be a bit on the same page. So, um, that being said, today's episode is going to be, uh, roughly 30 minutes because I'm just doing it solo today. Um, I don't want to go on and on today by myself for an hour and whatnot. Um, this is just one to kind of get my feet wet. And, uh, you know, get something out there for the people to listen to and to get kind of acclimated with the podcast. Um, Also, one thing I want to stress is um, in due time, we're going to have the podcast on iTunes, um, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Uh, Also, we're going to plan to use Audio Boom, which is going to be the main source of our of an interface that we're going to post the podcast on. So um, once we get that all up, it's going to be on the Twitter handle. Feel free to uh, subscribe to that and like, because um, without you all, we can't get this podcast popping. So go on iTunes, review it, um, you know, rave and whatnot about it. Give your opinions on it. And, you know, hopefully you all can help us to get this podcast to the top and we can become the number one Jags podcast out there. And uh, not only that, you know, one of the number one podcasts in general out there. So um, just look forward to that information being posted um, sooner than later. So uh, that said, um the topics that I'm going to go right into, um, as I said, I don't want to go on and on. Um, but the topics at hand that I wanted to personally talk on is, um, well, first and foremost, uh, some of the latest in news that happened this week. Um, Nate Hackett, as we all know, was hired in the place of Greg Olson, who was fired. And uh, this is news that basically came about as I was coincidentally in jacksonville coincidentally also at everbank field tailgating for the georgia florida game and um as you all know i live in georgia but um i used to live in jacksonville at one point in time and that's um when i really became or should i say i really began to cover the jacksonville jaguars as i've always been a fan of theirs but in terms of the move itself this is a move that doesn't really i don't think i would say necessarily surprise people though um the timing kinda of surprised some people because prior Gus Bradley was saying that there weren't gonna be anybody uh or be any firings on the staff and then, you know, a couple of days later or a day later, uh this news breaks and um basically it's one that he said reportedly at least that he did on his own. He didn't really go to Khan or um Dave Caldwell about it. He talked with Olson um and um they weren't on the same page in terms of a vision. Which it sounds redundant because it this sounds like much like uh, what he said about Jed Fish when he fired him as well. But anyhow, he was relieved of his duties. Olsen, that is. And now um, the quarterback coach uh, who we got from Buffalo as part of kind of like a package deal, I guess, with uh, Doug Marone. Both of those two came in to, um, you know, help the offense when they were struggling. And here we are back to square one where they are struggling. But um. Those two came over. Um, Hackett was named the quarterback coach. Now he'll be the offensive coordinator. They said he had some um, coordinator duties over in Buffalo. Um, I can't remember when or what year he coordinated. It probably was his last year there. But um, anyhow, this is a guy that um, just from what I hear and just seen in the interviews, he's a high energy guy. Uh, He's a guy kind of like Gus Bradley, but just in the form of a offensive coordinator, maybe a little bit younger. A guy that um, not only Gus likes, but uh, Blake Bortles uh, has uh, catered to as well. A guy that he really likes. And um, this is a guy that they hope can get Blake Bortles and the offense going. Though, you know, everybody ha- have their doubts and whatnot. And some can argue that they should have named Aron the offensive coordinator. But at this point, I don't know that the offense will get much better. But you can't blame him for, for trying, I guess. And um, here we are with, you know, Hackett as the offensive coordinator. He says he wants to um, utilize the run game more, which is hard to imagine much would change there. I mean, it's not like he's going to magically get the 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 offensive line to block better or uh, or, um, you know, hit the point of attack better um, or or do anything differently from Olsen from that perspective. But I mean, we will see if they could get the run game going because they really would help Blake Bortles. Um, Blake Bortles also brought in a uh, coach. That works for Tom House. His name is escaping me. Uh, but anyway, to work on his mechanics, uh, reportedly he's working on the lower body mechanics and um, kind of just, you know, to himself when he goes home, uh, working on his mechanics uh, from his house and whatnot. So we'll see if anything like, you know, his mechanics improve from that perspective or whatever. But, um, you know, midway through the season, you know, that's a little that's I guess you could say that's the wrong time to be trying to work on something like that. But I mean we'll see if it helps him. Um that's more of an off season thing. And uh, you know, if you can do that in the off season, it can carry into the regular season. Um so you know, that's one of the things I would have preferred that Bortles have done in the off season. But um, you know, from if he works on it from here, uh maybe next year it can benefit him, you know, if he works on it throughout the throughout the off season as well. We'll have to see in due time. So in terms of what I think of this move, um, you know, like I say, something had to be done and um, we'll see. I don't think that the Jaguars will improve that much more offensive offensively, but, uh, time will tell and we will see. Um, but personally, it didn't really matter to me if they named Hackett or, um, Or Doug Marone, the new offensive coordinator in the firing of Olsen. It it really doesn't matter to me. I don't think either one of them would make that much of a difference. It's a lot of people high on Marone because he had the head coaching gig over in Buffalo uh, temporarily. But um, in my opinion, I don't know. I kind of feel indifferent about Marone. Uh, The offensive line hasn't really improved that much under him. So I don't think he's done enough within his own unit to show us that. You know, basically, he he's uh, capable of being the offensive coordinator. So, I mean, a lot of people want him to take Gus's place and be the interim. But like I say, to me, he hasn't really fixed the offensive line, though. You can argue he did a good job with Luke Joko trans- uh, transitioning him to a guard. I think that's more of a talent theme as typically those who play on the outside can kick in with ease and kind of do that, like on their own. Like I don't think necessarily Dunk Marone necessarily impacted how well of a gu- uh, good of a guard that uh, Jokel was panning out to be. It looks like he was going to be before he got injured. But again, we'll see uh, in due time if this move helps. I mean, Buffalo made an offensive coordinator change in the, uh, what, first three weeks of the season this uh, year with uh, Rex Ryan and they uh, named their running back coach, the offensive coordinator, and they've uh, changed things for the better. Um, Don't know if that's going to be the case here, but I would hope and like to see that be the case here. So we'll see. As for the um, next topic at hand that I want to cover is um, in the next coming weeks, um, when Phil joins me as well, and uh, we're going to as I said, probably have another friend or two join us to talk football uh, that are also Jags fan whenever they join as well. Uh, we're going to just give our perspective and our thoughts on, um, you know, a look in advance to who we think should be the team's head coach in the future in 2017 and our thoughts on this candidate, that candidate and the other. Uh, so that said, um, I want to use this opportunity to talk on a candidate that I'm the most high on and um, one that people have you know, asked me about and, you know, why I want him as a head coach. And that's uh, Josh McDaniels. As we all know, that's the offensive coordinator of the New England Patriots. And that's also Bill Belichick's understudy. And um, I just want to first start by saying it's not because McDaniels is coming from an organization like the New England Patriots and that he learned from Bill Belichick that, You know, is the reason that I want them. I mean that, you know, that goes into the equation, but it has to be more than that, as we've seen, because a lot of the Patriots coordinators and um, whatnot assistants, whenever they go on to become head coaches, uh, they necessarily don't translate. A lot of times they haven't. To be honest with you, if you want to look at it, so that certainly isn't the leading factor of why, you know, I believe that, you know, or why I would want Josh McDaniels here, but I would want him more so here because, well, for one, our offensive struggles uh, you know, with, with Blake Bortles and whatnot, you would think that the team would want to continue on with him next year. Though, you, I mean, you never know. Maybe they would want to move on depending on who the GM is. That's another story for another, another time. But um, when I look at McDaniels, you know, he's a guy that could, you know, take what we have. And probably in terms of offense now and probably, you know, improve upon it and, um you know, make him serviceable because he's a guy that is adaptable. And that's one thing that's very, very underrated in today's day and age is how adaptable is a head coach. That's the main reason why Greg Olson is fired. He's not an adaptable coordinator. There's been times, you know, in the beginning, beginning of his 10 years at Jacksonville and other places, uh, even when he was with Tampa Bay, where he took a guy like Josh Freeman, for example, in the first year in that whole offense and made him, uh, you know, how should I put it? made him watchable, uh, made him a good offense. Same with Blake Bortles when he came here in his first year. But after that, when teams figured him out and figured out his scheme, he can adapt to the defensive schemes to further improve. So that's always been his big thing. So when you talk about Josh McDaniels, this is a guy that is very adaptable and To prove that look no further than this year with what he had to work with at the quarterback position over in New England with Tom Brady being suspended for four games. So within those first four weeks of the season, he's had to go through like three or four quarterbacks, which he had. He specifically made different game plans for each to kind of cater to them. And that's been one of Gus's problems as well is, you know, catering his system to fit, you know, the players at hand. And we've seen it with Miles Jack. You know they couldn't get him on the field because "quote unquote." You know he wasn't ready. But I think it was something else. You know what I'm saying. But it took Dan Scooter's injury to get Miles Jack on the field. And when you get somebody that talented in the second round, a guy that should have been a first round pick, and you know, granted our team circumstances, how bad we are, and how, um, you know how much talent we don't have on the field, I think you got to make a case to get that young man on the field somehow. So uh, with Josh McDaniels, you know, this is a guy that he he will take what you give him and build a game game plan around that, which Gus Bradley has struggled with and his staff has struggled with. So um, prime example with, um, when they had to start Jacoby Brissett and I think it was week three. You know, this is a guy that was, you know, I guess a mid-round pick, maybe fourth to six, maybe even, you know, a late pick, to be honest with you. But um, this is a guy that, you know, wasn't a marquee name coming out of college. You know, he was certainly talented, but he's no Tom Brady or um, I won't even say he's Jimmy Garoppolo. But what Josh McDaniels did with him is made a game plan that catered to where he does best. And it actually looked fluid and it worked well. Like, I enjoyed watching the New England Patriots with Brissett as their quarterback. You know, they had some uh, running plays with him where they ran um, draws and design runs for him. And uh, they let him drop back a couple of times. They didn't let him do anything extravagant. But they let him drop back and um, complete some passes. You know, it was easy concepts to read, easy completions for him to make. And like I say, I was overall impressed with that. And even before that, what they were doing with Jimmy Garoppolo and how they catered the system to him as well. Like it looked different from what they were doing with Tom Brady. Um Meaning, you know, when they use Garoppolo, the, the game plan looked a little different and the concepts they use looked a little different from what they did with Tom Brady. Same with Jacoby Brissett. So this is a guy in Josh McDaniels who is a little bit like a chameleon. So, um, you know, from that perspective, I think he can help us regardless of who's our quarterback, because like I say, you know, they might want to continue with Bortles next year, depending on whoever the GM is. But after that, uh, what if Bortles isn't the guy, you know what I'm saying? Then McDaniels is going to have to probably find his own quarterback and, uh, you know, somebody different from Bortles that he will have to cater the system to. So regardless of who we have as the quarterback, what is what I'm saying is I think Josh McDaniels can make a game plan and make that quarterback look serviceable. As for another reason, I would like Josh McDaniels as our head coach here is when you look at look back at what happened when what went wrong with Gus Bradley, which, you know, that also falls on Dave Caldwell. And I guess you could say that falls on Sean too because he hired Caldwell who sold him on his vision. So, anyway, I digress from my point. But I went looking back at it. One of the flaws with um, Gus Bradley has been his lack of ability to find the right coordinator. Um, he's gone through two offensive coordinators, Jed Fish and also uh, Greg Olson, who we just talked on. And also, uh, he's going through on the defensive end, he went through one uh, with, um, he fired the linebackers coach or former linebackers coach who came from the Bears, Uh, I forget his name is escaping me, but anyway, they replaced him with uh, Todd Wash. So, that being said is, basically, Gus Bradley could never really get his staff how he wanted it. And, you know, one of the key things about being a head coach is who you put on the opposite end of the ball that... You don't cater to in Gus Bradley's case, he was a defensive mind, so the next best hire for him is gonna be who he hires as the offensive coordinator, which I just said he struggled with. And also, you know, he struggled with finding the guy that to control the side of his ball, which was like I said, the defense and finding the coordinator in um, Todd Wash, who is now doing pretty decent, if you ask me. But you know, he had to fire uh, the guy before him, Bob Babbage, that was his name, by the way. Um, He had to fire Bob Babbage last year in the place of Todd Wash, So he hasn't really been able to establish who he wanted at the core base of his coaching staff. So from the perspective of Josh McDaniels, you know, and any coach that you want to be the head coach of your team, you got to look at it from this perspective. Like, who can this head coach bring along with him? And I'm sure that mcdaniels and whoever is the gm would talk about this beforehand before being hired you know who are you going to bring on with you as assistants and as coordinators and hopefully you know you 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 hope for marquee names if you're the gm and i think josh mcdaniels has been in the game long enough to have some marquee names to bring with him Um, mike mccoy is one of the guys that's worked under him um adam Gase is a guy another guy that's worked under him who we all know he's not going to bring Adam Gase over because he's the head coach of the Miami Dolphins and just became the head coach of the Dolphins. But in Mike McCoy's case, you know, it's possible that he may be fired. So you look over there in San Diego, even though they are improving, we'll have to see. Um, but you would have to think if they don't make the playoffs, he'll be fired. And that, you know, those are the kind of guys you want as your coordinators, is guys that have been head coaches, um, guys that, you know, need a second chance to get their name back out there to You know, be a head coach again. Kind of like Jack Del Rio when he left Jacksonville, when we fired him, you know, he got established with the uh, Denver Broncos, got his name back out there on the John Fox. And lo and behold, the Raiders called him up and now he's doing good things, you know, and he learned from his mistakes. So those are the kind of guys you want is co- people that have head coach experience that can come over for a little bit and, uh, you know, get their name out there to eventually be head coaches. And uh, Josh McDaniels, I would think that would be one of the top guys on his list. If he was fired. So that being said, you know, I I like the relationships because I do look at coaching trees and study coaching trees. I like the relationships that uh, Josh McDaniels or the connections that he would have to make a staff Um, Two other names. And this goes back to what I was saying about you finding the guy to control the opposite side of the ball to be your dominant coordinator. Um, you know, you look at the defensive end if McDaniels came in, you know, he's worked with guys over time over in New England like Dean Dean Peace, who is um currently the defensive coordinator for the Ravens, you know, it's possible Harbaugh Harbaugh, Jim <sighs> couldn't get it out. It's possible that John Harbaugh might be Fired or relieved of his duties, though, I doubt it. But if he is, you know, that's a name that you can bring over a respectable guy that could, you know, come over and switch the defense over and, uh, you know, you know, get them to basically play better or at least not drop off from where they are because they are playing pretty decent right now. And uh, Dom Capers, another name that he's worked with, that um, you know, could be looking for a job because he's currently with the Packers, and you know, there's that whole thing with McCarthy might being, uh, possibly being fired, and the Packers and their fans not being happy with, you know, their playoff performances since going to the Super Bowl and whatnot. So, again, that's another story for another time. Even though McCarthy is another guy that I'm going to talk on that I really like as a head coach, but Dom Capers is currently part of that regime over there and he might be relieved of his duties if uh, McCarthy is. So uh, that's another guy that McDaniels can bring over on the defensive side and, you know, help get things going in the right direction over there. So, you know, to me, those are the things that we should learn from um, from with Gus Bradley and trying to improve on is the the relationships that the coach will bring and, you know, the potential staff that the coach can build and how adaptable the coach is, which both you know, um, McDaniels is, you know, I think what flourish flourishing in terms of being a head coach. And um, lastly, a reason I would like to bring over McDaniels is um, this goes back to what I was saying with Jack Del Rio is because basically McDaniels has been a head coach. It was for a short amount of time, but he's been a head coach. And, you know, you, you typically if you're going to get a guy um, that to be your head coach, you know, you want a guy with head coaching experience and one that furthermore, and most importantly has learned from their mistakes like Jack Del Rio has, and he's over there improving in Oakland. So I think Josh McDaniels, and there was an article on uh, bleacher report about this and they they were paraphrasing him and, uh, you know, talking about the things that went wrong for him in Denver. And one thing he did say is, you know, he burned himself out and, you know, he, he kind of, He took it out on his coaches as well. When they lost games, he was too hard on them. And this is a guy that sounds like, you know, that now that he's in New England looking back on it, that he's he's looked back on the past and understands what he did wrong when he was a head coach and, you know, understands what he would need to do, you know, if he got another gig better than he did last time. And that's the same thing that goes for Jack Del Rio. I'm sure he looks back at his time at Jacksonville and some of the things he did wrong. And, you know, he he's become a better coach as a result of it. And, you know, he also learned some stuff when he went back to, uh, well, I won't say went back, but went to uh, Denver to get back on Jim, uh, John Fox's staff, who was one of his uh, guys over in, I think, Carolina. But, you know, he he picked his mind, learned some things from him, learned what he did wrong. And, you know, now he has the gig with the Oakland Raiders. So you always want somebody who, who not only is adaptable and can build a good staff, but somebody who can learn from their mistakes and further improve. And from those three aspects, that's why I really like Josh McDaniels as a head coach. So I uh, will see when uh, 2017 rolls around and uh, Black Monday comes and we fire Gus, you know, who's on the list. And like I say, we're going to talk furthermore into this. Uh, in, in the future podcasts in the upcoming weeks on other candidates, but, um, I really do like Josh McDaniels. I put him as number one on my list and I will see, um, one of the things though, I do want to stress before I go into the next topic is reportedly McDaniels hasn't really interviewed for any jobs to be a head coach, uh, since, you know, his, his tenure with the Denver Broncos, because reportedly, I don't know if this is true or not. I can only go off of what I've read, but he wants to bring in his own guy to be the GM. And if I'm not mistaken, he had some um, GM responsibilities, kind of like Bill Belichick when he was uh, with the Denver Broncos. And that's another reason he said he kind of burned himself out is because, you know, he was trying to be a head coach and a GM at the same time. I think he's learned from that. And now wants to bring his own guy to uh, make the personnel decisions with him, which you know that when when considering what the owner may want, you know that can kind of contradict and uh, bring about some conflict. But I mean, we'll see. Um, if if that's the case, I would think like one of the guys he would want to bring with him is somebody from the Patriots organization. Like um, I think it's a uh, Nick Shizzaro who is one of the leading guys in terms of um, you know, guys to be on the list to be a GM next for any organization for that matter. And uh, he's uh, the director of their college personnel. If I'm not mistaken, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. But, you know, you would think he would want to bring somebody like that over with him to uh, if that's the case, to be the GM and be in charge of the personnel decisions. So, you know, another thing to consider is if are we going to continue with Dave Caldwell and what that scare away some coaches like Josh McDaniels, who, you know, either want a brand new GM or want to bring in their own GM um, time will tell and we'll have to see on that. And we'll have to also see what Con does and whether or not he'll fire Dave Caldwell with Gus Bradley, because sometimes, you know, you have situations where head coaches want to come in with a new GM or perhaps bring in a GM with them. We'll have to see. Um, but in 2017, uh, those certainly make for interesting topics. And um in a way, you know, you can't wait till the season ends to find out the answer to these questions. And lastly, as we segue into the last portion of today's podcast, um we're reaching the 25 minute mark. As I said, I kind of want to make this roughly 30 minutes. And uh, even that might have been may have been too long for one person, but. Here we are, uh, as we creep on the thirty minute mark and um we're gonna take a look in advance to the Jags and the Kansas City Chiefs game coming up Sunday at one PM. As the big story, um at least from the Chiefs perspective of this one, is uh Alex Smith. As we all know, he had um some he's suffering from concussion like symptoms and he's in the protocol right now and they officially ruled him late in this or should I say early in this week that um he won't play and they're gonna have Nick Foles play in his place so basically it was a situation where in the last game he was hit high if I'm not mistaken uh, I could be wrong and they uh they tested him for a concussion he was good to go according to them they put him back in he was hit high again and they just officially took him out for um, concussion symptoms. So um, that that's a um, big blow for them, I guess, even though the Jacks don't seem to really take advantage of these situations where the opposition is injured and their their injury report is a, is a pretty significant one. Spencer Ware dealing with the same thing. He will not play. It looks like as well. So that's one of their star running backs. And um, that's that's a guy that, you know, could have caused some problems for the Jags. But, you know, we'll have to see if the Jaguars take advantage of it as they are relatively fully healthy. If you look at their injury report, I know Jared Odrick's going to miss the game. But, um you know, Tyson Alualu's played well in this place, as a matter of fact. And uh, I don't really think that'll be a big of a deal uh, missing him. But uh, Odrick's just kind of been on the decline lately, which is a, a another story for another time. A guy I was a high on, but. Um, you know, he, he won't make this week due to a foot injury. And, uh, I mean, it was also, uh, I think Aaron Coven was listed on it and Julius Thomas, but, um, I think they were limited or in Julius's case, I think he was taken off the injury report on Friday. So, I mean, it looks like we're going to head into this game healthy and that's kind of been the story. I mean, one thing that we haven't talked about is how relatively healthy this squad has been and Gus Bradley hasn't been able to seize the moment, but I mean, other than the, the, um, The Roy Miller injury, we really haven't really suffered any major blows like that. And, you know... Typically, a coach, you know, would, you know, be seizing these moments to go into these games relatively healthy. But uh, Gus Bradley and his game planning and his staff just haven't been able to take advantage of that. I'm um, not being a pessimist or anything like that, but hopefully we'll see them turn it around and uh, actually take advantage of uh, the chief situation um, who they also have. Jay Howard listed on the injury report. Um, I, I don't know if he was limited or what. What the case may be, but he was on there. Mitchell Schwartz, he was limited. It looks like he made play, as we all know, he's kind of been a journeyman lineman, but he's now with them, um, a, a key contributor for them on that offensive line. And it was a uh, a few others that escaped my my um Jeremy Macklin, uh, as a matter of fact, who missed uh, yesterday, which was Thursday, to a groin. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, he's a contributor on the outside. So, you know, he, he might miss Sunday. And um hopefully if that's the case, the Jags can seize it like they haven't before and they can head into the Texas game with some momentum. We will we will have to see as uh as the saying goes. So that being said, we're going to wrap things up as we uh, almost are at the 30 minute mark at this point. Um, I just want to plug some stuff real quick. You can follow me under at sportsgrind underscore done on Twitter. Um, Phil will join me next week, as I said, for uh, what we will probably label this episode 1.5, being that it'll be our first episode doing it together. And uh, we just can't wait to go on this journey with you all and vent out frustration and uh, maybe joy if the Jags can turn around, which might be <laughs> unlikely. But if they do, we're going to be here to express our joy and, uh, you know, talk about it with you all. Um, later later down the road, we'll also take questions and interact with the fans. But uh, just feel free right now, for now, to check us out on Twitter. I just made a handle. It's at JagsDenPodcast. We're going to post our iTunes link on that when that gets up and our other interface links to, um, like, audio boom and stitcher and whatnot and we would really appreciate it if you all just subscribed and shared retweeted the whole nine and you know help us to become as i said we our goal is to become the number one jags podcast on the radio on the air as well as you know just become one of the upper echelon podcast on itunes and and over social media and the internet and lastly but uh certainly not least uh one thing i wanted to do before i go ahead and just end the podcast is uh just put our name out there for any sponsors or anybody listening uh, from the jacksville area or wherever you may be just um you know holla at us um i'm gonna put our gmail link into our bio of our twitter account which is jacks at gmail.com so anybody want to help us out and get this thing rolling alongside the listeners and the fans, you know, want to contribute in terms of, um, of of some money or, you know, sending us some equipment, uh, podcast equipment or whatever the case may be. Any way that you can help with your company and, uh, you know, help us get out there, feel free to shoot us a link, shoot us some quotes and we um, will gladly work with you all. So um, that being said, I appreciate everyone who listened. And, um, you know, Phil will be joining us next week. So look forward to that. And, um, I don't have an exact date when I'll be posting the next podcast but just be on the lookout from somewhere in between wednesday or thursday for the next podcast as phil will join us so um thank you all for listening and be safe out there as i know it's kind of a tough time to be a jacks fan with all the losing and dealing with gus and whatnot but um until the meantime you all take it easy be safe out there and i uh, look forward to our next episode of the Jags Den podcast